Welcome to the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. I'm Robin Crane, and I was a financial advisor for over a decade. But before that, I was a singer-songwriter. And now, even as a mom of three with a teenager, toddler, and a baby, I run a seven-figure business helping women in financial services grow their businesses and make a bigger impact. In this podcast, I'll bring you financial advisors, industry influencers, and highly successful entrepreneurs to give you innovative strategies designed for women. So get ready to learn how to get in front of the right people, get more ideal clients, and be able to grow your ideal business so you can live your ideal life. Welcome to Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way. I'm Robin Crane, and I'm here uh, right now with Suzanne Powell, who actually worked with me, gosh, it was a year ago, wasn't it? Did we end about a year ago? We worked together about a year ago, and during the six months that we were working together, she made an additional $90,000 in her financial business, at least, right? More than that. Yes. More than that. Okay. <laughs> yes. That's what I thought of the game, but it's been compounding probably ever since. Um, so we can talk about that. So you had a lot of success. This woman is such a go-getter. Um, she is also like no BS kind of gal, like get shit done. Let's do this. Let's make it happen. But also has a very soft side. So we want to talk about today really how to embrace your natural tendencies as a woman to create fast success, because you're such a great example, Suzanne, of creating fast success and um, being so womanly as you are. So um, tell us a little about uh, you and your business, where you are right now. I'm swamped as far as where I am right now. Um, Amazingly, I've been closing more business with clients who I've never even met, you know, just, you know, referrals from referrals from clients from clients. And um, I'll have to be honest with you, as far as the way that I approach these folks, it's, it's completely different. Since I met you, the way that I close business and how I approach these clients is completely different than what I would have done before. Um, with the 10 minute call and the way that I have structured the meetings, driving people to the 10 minute call, you know, qualifying them and trying to understand how I can help in that 10 minute call. Let's back up a step because they don't, they don't know all my cool lingo. All, the 10 minute call is pretty easy to figure out. <laughs> so cool, such cool lingo. Um, but tell them where, what were you doing before and, and then what, what did you shift that, that really made a difference? Cause it sounds like you're swamped in a good way where you have, you know, you said, you know, you're actually, uh, Suzanne mentioned that you're working, you know, you mentioned to me before that you're working with my husband, which I obviously knew who's helping you publish a book. And you're like, I don't even need the book. Cause originally you thought I want this book to help me grow my business. And you're like, I'm so swamped. I don't even need the book, but it's pretty badass to have anyway. So tell us what you were doing a little bit before and then what changed you know, as you added those different type of, um, let's say structures in your business and we'll jump into the woman stuff as well. Um, so it's easy, you know, women have tendencies to not necessarily value their time. And so I would, you know, throw the hook out to everybody and every fish I caught, I would talk with, and sometimes they would close and, you know, sometimes they wouldn't. And really when I reached out to you, It was two specific clients that were fairly large clients that didn't close and I was confused. And so you and I had a little call, a 30 minute call, and you said, you know what, Susie, they probably weren't going to be your clients anyways. They were very likely tire kickers, but had you had some packaging, had you had a bit of a a planning process where you could have maybe charged for your plans because now I can, whereas before I couldn't, I bet you they would have paid for your time. And at least you would not have, you know, wasted your time. So what I'm doing now with prospects, and these are, you know, cold referrals and these are warm referrals, you know, I get everyone on a 10 minute call 
and I say, how can I help? And I let them talk about their pain. And if they don't have pain, if, if they're just calling me because someone told me to, then I, I kind of drive them towards what their discomfort is, whether they have an advisor or they don't, you know, whether they think they're paying too much in fees, some, some breakdown. Um, but if I feel like I can help, which in, you know, 90% of the cases I can, um, I try to keep them to 10 minutes, although that doesn't work very well with me. <laughs> so it's usually like 15, 20. Um, I just book a meeting from that call and I schedule the time to where we actually commit, you know, via a conference call or a Zoom, sometimes in person, to an actual meeting where I can talk about them and, and really get to know if, if I want to work with them and then talk about me and kind of my process and how I can help. And, um, and that's been life-changing for me because in some cases, the way that I do get leads from additional sources, which you're familiar with, um, sometimes I can't really help them. Or it's clear at the beginning, just based on their um, approach or their, their style that I don't want to work with them, I get off the phone. I just let them go. Um, I actually had that happen last night. So yeah, I'm, um, I'm busier than ever. I just closed a client yesterday off my one hour in, in Florida and I'm in Kentucky. Never met them a day in my life. Um, this was the hour long call and got all their assets over and paperwork done and FedEx to them. And I was so excited because it was, you know, wasn't necessarily a, a call I thought I was going to close on, but literally in the 40th minute, he said to me, you have told me things that two other advisors haven't told me in a way that is explainable. And I totally understand exactly how you're going to help me. None of the other advisors I've talked to would even explain anything. And uh, how do I, how do I sign up is what he said. Wow. Like, how do I sign how up? How big was that client? Um, he is about 650,000. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Which that's about my average client. Sometimes they're a little smaller than that. And sometimes they're a little bigger, but if I took all my clients and divided by my total assets under management, my average household's 650. Okay. Which is reasonable. Okay. Well, I, I'm dying to know what were those two things you told? I mean, were they just specific things that you noticed? Yeah. I was giving him like real information. So he specifically has like managed accounts Okay. So and um, him, like, like expertise, essentially, that he hadn't heard. Yeah. Like you taught me to, to go ahead and give them something, you know, like go ahead and get add a little value, but like, don't give them everything. Right. And so I, I gave him enough it, as far as how I would help him with his IRAs versus his after-tax account to where he was like, wow, okay, that's exactly how I was hoping you'd approach me and it. And it's specific to taxes. And um, the other guy wouldn't, I said, what did, what did the other guy say? And he goes like, nothing. Like he literally wouldn't even tell me. I was like, oh. Yeah, I think, well, that's a good distinction though too. Cause I, I mean, I, I think it's not that, you know, you don't want to give things to them because you're just trying to sell them. It's that they won't get the value. They won't be able to get the result. They won't be able to implement it, you know, anyway. So it's like, if you, what a lot of women do and going back to women and their natural tendencies, and I tell a lot of the ladies in my tag challenge and my rap course and my fem mentorship, like I tell them like, don't solve their problem because they're in a conversation where you need to understand what the problems are first and there has to be a gap so that they get the real solution, which is working with you. And so many of them, they say, oh, I have a challenge with this and they immediately jump on it and try to solve that problem. And if that person is thinking, 
uh, I already know that, or no, that's not going to work, or they start arguing in their mind that, that that's not what they want, whatever it is. Now you just close the gap and you can't help them, you know, versus like figuring out what, like you, you barely even know what their problem is versus really expanding to understand what their true problems are. And then you're like, oh, I can help you. And here's how it will look. So what you're talking about is really like letting them vision, envision it and see like, this is what it would look like and placing you in their future, not just like go solve the problem, but this is how we would do this together. And here are the specific things that we would focus on. So you, so they can see how they can get that ultimate result. Right. So that's, that's very cool. Yeah. And I made it very collaborative too. Like the way that I spoke to him, um, cause he's an older gentleman in his late eighties and um, I just told him, I said, you know, depending on the conversation we have about your risk and what types of things you want, I may do blah. And then another time I said, depending on how we work and how you want me to pivot, we may do. Yeah. And so I, I kind of intentionally pulled him in, um, to where we would have to have those conversations together. You know, I do make investment recommendations. I'm not asking you to come up with the ideas, but by no means am I just blanketing everything on you and making you say, okay, you know, I do need to know if this is something you're comfortable with. Um, so yeah, it was great. It was just, it was good. And I've been closing clients left and right out of state lately, which is not typically part of my process. Normally I'm in person getting wet signatures, you know, printing literal paperwork. And for the last two or three months, I've been closing clients in Florida, Virginia, um, Idaho, Michigan, it's been all over the place lately and great. Well, like, I think that's the beauty of a few things like, well, one, we were forced into it to, because of the pandemic, of course, but because you have these processes and you had defined uh, really like, like what, ha what has to happen to get to the next step, to get to the next step and in those steps, what is the process and what is also, I mean, I'm a, as you know, I talk a lot about really you want to drive behavior, the behavior of them meeting with you or working with you, you're driving behaviors in order to drive behaviors. You got to drive beliefs. Like what do they have to think? What do they have to believe to, to be there? And in order to drive those beliefs, you're driving messaging, like your messaging is driving that, right? So what you're saying to them when you're on the phone, what you're asking them, the way that you're communicating the message that they're getting is actually what's driving the belief and driving them to do that behavior that you want. So I think all of those components within those, what we call the stages of the sale, right? What happens at first conversation, if you're winging it, like you probably were before in some regards, because you were good at it before where you would, you were good at talking to people. But I remember you came to me because you were, you know, paying money and smart asset, isn't that what's called? Smart asset leads? Yes. Yeah. Um, so you're paying money, but then you weren't closing. And you're like, I'm getting leads. And sometimes you would and sometimes you didn't. But we also optimize that to have that conversation so you can really get get clear on, like I said, like what those problems are, what they want, and see if there's a fit. And, and not, you know, jump the gun or not rely on just the fact that you can connect with people when you're in person or just, just rely on uh, building rapport because you're really good at that you're really good with people like and that's again going back to these tendencies that women have naturally we love to connect like we love to connect we want to you know here we, we're great listeners we want to hear the stories we want to understand what they want we want those things and I think the industry and to some degree has put us in the box of no go through the fact finder for example you know go through this like so you do a fact finder and when we learn to do a fact finder You've taken, you've taken the stories and the natural tendencies of us to want to have the, the conversations and hear about the kids and the grandkids and what they love to do and all those things. It's like, 
to some degree set aside and then we're getting the numbers and it and it and it creates a disconnect whereas you came back to whether you're in person or whether you're on the phone or whether you're on zoom having these processes knowing how to get to really having those conversations again and make those connections you don't have to be in person you can be in any of those you know any of those media channels and make it work and i think that was a good setup for this year where you didn't have or you know the pandemic i should say like where you didn't have um you didn't have the option to meet face to face obviously I, i'm kind of curious because i've heard some tidbits about your background and i didn't ask you to begin with but i, I like hearing all the crazy stuff that you've gone through and then we can jump back to some of these things but can you tell just a one or two stories just about your upbringing because i think your upbringing your experiences just growing up because i think a lot of people would assume when meeting you and i use you as an example a lot with um with my femme my I call my ladies femme, you know, they don't, maybe female empowered money makers, but the, the women in my program, um, I use the example of you a lot with my femmes when I'm talking about stretching outside your comfort zone. And I say like everything you want lies outside your comfort zone, otherwise you'd already have it. You've heard this, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and I use you as an example, Suzanne, because I'm like, you have a, a huge comfort zone, like you can do anything, nothing really phases you and you're willing to stretch like so not only is it really big to start and you still have things outside your comfort zone that you want other uh, otherwise you'd already have it, of course but you can get those things fast it's like a fly swatter <laughs> you're like sure. i got it i got it i got it you just stretch and you get it you stretch and you get it you stretch and get it which is why you had a lot of success in my program and um when a lot of people are looking at you like oh i wish i had what suzanne had i wish i could do what suzanne does i wish i could you know get those fast like as fast results and and i think people see you that way like wanting what you have and i'm like yeah you want that now but you wouldn't want to go through everything she went through in order to be that type of person that has a huge comfort zone and is willing to stretch so much so because you've had a lot of adversity in your life and a lot of ch challenges that you had to overcome so tell us like one or two stories um, about some challenges that you've overcome uh, and then uh, we'll wrap back up with some of the these women tendencies to help them have to create that success. Um, you know, so long story short, my mom was a single mom with uh, myself and then my sister, who's two years younger than me. And we grew up literally in a single wide trailer in a, on a lot like a trailer park on Michigan Avenue outside of Detroit. Um, and, you know, she was a bartender and worked her butt off but you know, barely could pay the bills. And so we had Salvation Army Christmases and you know, we had WIC and had to go to the fact, you know, like the warehouses and pick up the government cheese and the, the puffs in the bag. And um, I think we were always kind of worried, you know, where our next meal would come from. And oftentimes there was some utility getting shut off for some period of time. And so I was always a kind of a chubby, you know, kid. And of course I was not in any extracurricular activities at all because we didn't have any money. And so I read a lot. I was always reading um, because I, you know, didn't want to go outside much. I was a bit of a couch potato. And so I think by like the time I was 11 or 12, I was reading books that were, you know, Robert Kiyosaki or just, you know, rich man, poor man stuff and um, related mostly to passive income and the concept of interest. And so I, I remember vividly, I mean, like, I remember it like it was yesterday, going up to my mom, all confused, you know, why aren't we living off our interest, mom? You know, why, why are we living off our principal? And she didn't even know that word. Like she got through 10th grade and she's, she's a brilliant woman but not necessarily hyper intelligent and was so confused and she was like I don't know what you're talking about but we're paycheck to paycheck like we don't have any money you know period and so then I was like wait a minute we don't have any money 
Cause I, you know, you don't understand when you're in a trailer, like that, not everybody's in a trailer. Like, you know, I was kind of in a bubble and I didn't get maybe how broke we were. And so I was like, so what am I going to do for college? And she was like, you're going to have to get straight A's and, you know, you're gonna have to get a scholarship. I was like, what am I going to do for a car? You know, like when I turn 16 and she's like, you're going to have to buy one. And I was like, wait, what? I'm so confused. And so literally by the time I was 12, I was having to map out um, how I was going to get where I needed to go so that I could get out, you know, of the literal trailer park. So my eighth grade counselor and I like mapped out my entire high school curriculum backwards to where I could be in all AP classes by my senior year, made sure that I was actually involved in high school with like sports and different extracurricular activities to make myself look better on, on paper for my applications. So I could get a, a scholarship because I was not getting to college with money. Like there was no money. My FAFSAs, I filled out my FAFSAs. My EFC was literally zero because we were so broke. And um, so I got a little Pell Grant and I got a scholarship and I went to college and, you know, like it was tough and I, I struggled a little bit because I worked full time to pay for my bills and to buy my car and to pay for everything. In fact, by the time I was a senior in high school, I was helping my mom, you know, with the bills. And so um, I struggled through college to just get everything done. But um, while I was in college, I worked in Chi Chi's and this amazing waitress named Candace, who's in her 40s, looked at me one day and said, girl, you know, this is good money. I get it. But please don't be 40, you know, waitressing at Chi Chi's, like take the pay cut now, go somewhere that gives you like a career, get out. And she kind of like coached me to like get away from waitressing because it's such good money, but it's very short term thinking. And so I applied to be a teller at a branch and of course got the job, started working full time for like seven bucks an hour and then um, moved, ended up working at Bank One that then became Chase, worked myself from a teller position to a banker, got licensed and then became a financial advisor in August of 2007 was like my first official month. Um, and I spent 10 years really at Chase. So a lot of my career was, was at the bank level with fairly easy clients. You know, they do a good job of giving you referrals. Um, but I still had to, you know, establish credibility, you know, being 25 years old and blonde and a female and a branch at Chase, you know, trying to be a financial advisor when clients were in their 50s and 60s and oftentimes men. And so um, it was very interesting the types of things I had to develop with my approach and with my process um, to make sure that I could kind of get over the superficial hurdle that I believed men were imposing on me. The, hard, the closing wasn't as difficult with women. It was, it was more difficult with men. Um, but with Chase, you don't get the benefit of having an ideal client. You don't get the benefit of, you know, picking and choosing the types of clients that you want to work with. You have to kind of work with whoever's on your book that day. Most of the time it's bankers setting appointments for you. But I doubled, like I walked in with maybe a $9 million book in 2007 and by the time I left there in September of 2012, my book was 67 million. I never, never had a month where I was not a million dollars new assets. And um, I'm sure that came from 
planning. It came from my process. It came from follow-ups. It, you know, it was a combination of things, but um, yeah, my, uh, I often go back to my trailer park days. In fact, I was just talking about it yesterday with my mom because she lives with me now to this day, you know, she lives with me and she's starting her social security in like two months. And, you know, she's getting like 400 bucks a month because she never made anything. So she never really put any money in. Um, and I just, we were, you know, we were looking around at this beautiful house and the, you know, the life I have now. And I'm just like, Hey, we came pretty far from these trailer park days. And she was like, all things to you, all things to you. So, oh, yeah. so sweet. But isn't that, I mean, that's why we do what we do, like to be able to have the lifestyle we want to be able to help our family and be able to do that. I think that's like such yep. an amazing luxury and it's, it's, it's such an incredible thing to, to hear about your path and what you did from such a young age and how you created it and you can create it from nothing. And I think um, circumstances are easy. It's easy to kind of blame circumstances and, and we can blame the pandemic coronavirus. We can blame whatever, you know, whatever is in like happened to us. Cause no one, no one's having it easy. Some much harder than others. Like I did not have it that difficult growing up, you know? Um, but it's like, I know someone can have exactly the same life as you and have a totally different path. So you chose that you created that, which just brings me back to how important it is that we create our own success and, and we can create our own success, no matter what our circumstances are. Um, and I know we were talking about like really embracing these natural tendencies as a woman. And I think, um, that, like you said, you had to overcome certain things like with being in this, you know, being around a lot of men and being young and all that stuff. Um, just the last few things, just, if you can talk about now, because now you're independent, now you have your own book of business. I mean, you're, I don't know how many times over you keep doubling, <laughs> yeah. but you're, you, you have tremendous success and um, you're phenomenal what you do. And you, even though you are phenomenal what you do, and when you came to me, you were phenomenal what you do and already successful, you're always investing in more and learning and getting help. And I know one of the things like you, you were my platinum client. Like you're like, I'm not going to just get a little bit of help. Like I want the best to do it as fast as possible. So it's not just that you're like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it on my own because I'm a hard worker. You're actually really smart too, that you're always getting help. So you don't have to do the stupid shit and you can do the stuff that you're good at. But what are some of the things like as a woman that you feel like really is serving you now and has served you in the past to be able to create that success and um, that will allow some of these listeners to be able to do the same. Um, you know, I think for me, the one thing, and you're right, like I, I'm, I'm always willing to um, spend the money for quality help. I mean, I pay for a trainer to hold me accountable or I would never go. Um, I'm actually, it's, this is silly, but I am, you know, I am chronically lazy, meaning I only want to put the work in where I want to work. I only want to actually meet with my clients. Like my favorite thing to do, like when Ashley was asking me about my time and, you know, just trying to help me with, with my structure, what I love, time with my kids, time with my husband and time with my clients. What I hate, everything else. And I want to purposefully not do any of it. And so I have a, someone who cleans my house. I have someone who does the lawn. Like I even asked Chris, you know, do you really want to do that stuff? Or is that just, you know, a, a side effect of, of income and money? He's like, no, I hate this stuff. Great. It's done. Um, so I hired you. I hired Trent or Trevor, Trevor. sorry, Trevor. Um, I, and I pay, purposely paid like the most money 
because when I was looking at his packages and your packages at any point where it was like, I had to help, I was like, Oh no, no, I don't want to, I don't want to help. I just want it literally done for me. Um, yeah. I hired a second assistant this year cause I've scaled so quick. Um, and I'm about to hire a third assistant next year, a personal assistant, not just a, an assistant at my office because I needed help with just even personal stuff. I have six kids. And so it's, a, there's a lot moving with, you know, doctor's appointments and orthopedic, you know, all that stuff. And so it's like, I have to employ all these extra people, which, you know, not everyone can afford to do. But um, for me, the reason why I grow and the reason why I want to grow and the reason why I want to help more people is so that I can then, you know, have more time and have more balance and, and have those things I want and travel if we want to and, you know, live the life that we want, which actually is um, having an office in Florida. That's kind of the, the five-year goal is to have an office in Florida and have an office in Kentucky. And so I'm purposely trying to grow my book down there just so that I have an office, you know, with clients. But um, I think with women, the one thing that we really struggle with is maybe letting stuff go, um, thinking that we have to do literally everything. Um, and for me, I, I just no, I don't want to have to do those things. I want to let those things go um, to quality people who then are part of my process, who, you know, all benefit, you know, from the growth of my business. And then we kind of all grow together um, to where we can all make more money and be happier. And so what I would tell any woman is, let it go. <laughs> Whatever it is that you're clinging to, the thing that you're doing that you don't want to do, let it go, you know, to someone else who enjoys doing that stuff. That way you can do more of the thing that you love. And by doing more of the thing that you love, organically, I think the world gives you more of it. Like you actually will see more people and you, the, that person that I meet with, um, like I have had now three referrals from a referral from a referral because I'm so engaged in the process with them, it's like they feel it. In fact, this one client, uh, the brand new clients in Virginia, who I've never met, just one Zoom call, um, large account at Merrill Lynch. And they've always just had kind of this static relationship with this guy. And so when I had her and him on the phone, both, when she never attends the appointments with the other guy, in that one hour at the end, she said, I've never had anyone ask me these questions. I've never had an advisor talk to me and ask me stuff. Like it's always just been about, you know, returns, alpha, beta, whatever. When do we sign? Like I'm totally in. Like I bought her in to this process with me where he was kind of always the decision maker and worked with a, a mediocre guy. And, um, and that I hear that feedback a lot. And so because I love to be there and I love that dialogue, I love those people, like I love connecting, they feel it. They immediately are so, it's not sold. They're not sold at all. Like they just feel that relationship and it's tangible. And they were just in, they were like, yep, let's go. We're done. And we're in. And because that's, that's what I love to do. They feel it. And then guess what? Their buddy called me a week later and said, Hey, my friends, you know? And so it's like, they feel my emotion. They feel the relationship and they, and it's tangible. And they're like, they just keep feeding the next person, the next person, the next person. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that you're so passionate about it, but also with the fact that you're not doing the things that you, that are bogging you down, exactly. that could bog you down, that could make you kind of resent the business because there are a lot of people right now who are resenting what they have to do because they're doing so much of the stuff they don't like to do. And I, 
try to remind, you know, a lot of these women that come into my world at the beginning, like, why did you get into the business? And I got into, when I was a financial advisor, I got into the business because I loved helping people, not because I wanted to make money and no desire for that, but to help people and to make a bigger impact. That's typically what we women get into the business to do and what we, what we love doing. Mm -hmm. And so going back to like, well, these natural tendencies, like we love those conversations, what you just talked about, like you got, you know, you're getting giddy about it. They're feeling the excitement. You're actually connecting and and we're so good at that naturally and then we get bogged down with the stuff of prospecting and forget who we even want to talk to we talk to everyone cast a wide net do like I said that fact finder you know just like at numbers and trying to fit into that box of what like the male male uh, dominant industry is telling us what to do so just to add to that I, I would agree like do what you're best at and it's not like yeah, you said, well, not everybody has the money to do that. And neither did you. And neither did you. So like time is malleable, you know, like who knows when things are going to happen. Like you, we can, we can, you know, mold these things into the life that we want. But, you know, I was $47,000 in debt at one point, you know, and then now we have a million dollar business. Like, it's just like everything, like wherever you are, like we can change it. And I think people forget that. Like, and going back to like, you had these crazy circumstances, difficult circumstances. You were not brought up with a, a silver spoon in your mouth. You know, you had to create this stuff and that took planning. That took taking action. That took making decisions. That took hiring people and getting help and not doing it yourself. And here you are. And um, I think Tony Robbins says most people underestimate, no, overestimate, most people overestimate what they can accomplish in a year and underestimate what they can accomplish in 10 years, in a decade. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, let's create these goals for a year and let's take action and make it happen and work towards those things and, and try to stop doing the stupid stuff that's holding you back that you don't like to do anyway and embrace your natural tendencies as a woman to connect with people, to, you know, love on them, to make them feel good, to ask them good questions instead of just following this like strict path of where's your money at and all these things. And then, yeah, you, you have exceeded your expectations in one year after another. So it's not always the case, but then over the debt of a, over a decade, you know, looking back a decade ago of what you've accomplished and the home you're living in and how you're helping your mother and how you now have six kids, and like all these things, it's amazing. And that's the compounding effect, just like money in the market. Like it's a compounding effect of you taking the right actions and doing what you're great at. So awesome. This has been amazing. Um, I love those stories. And I, I'm so glad we, we got into that because I wanted to, I've heard a lot of it, but I wanted to hear the details of that too, because it's just so interesting. And so uh, it's amazing of what you've accomplished and what you've done. Anything else to add or to tell them if, if they wanted to look you up, where's a good place to find you? Um, you mean like Facebook? Yeah, yeah if you want them to find you or, or maybe not. Uh, um, my, my website is now uh, Um And then of course I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and yeah, I actually Patrick. just saw your LinkedIn today where you're talking about being stretchy and actually um, illustrated it with a rubber band. I did. I did. I, oh, yeah. I was looking. Yeah, I noticed that too. I mean, I say I noticed it because I, I know we're putting things up. I don't know what goes up when, but I saw that too. And I was like, the, the rubber band, yeah, stretch outside your comfort zone. Yeah. So um, you're so good about that. So yeah, that was that was awesome. Thank you so much for, for joining us. And um, other than that, thank you all for listening to Growing Your Financial Business, the Women's Way podcast. We'll see you next time.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.